I'll show you. Like I have really good cleavage. You like, certainly they do. Look real. Oh, that looks great. And they um, got great movement. They they really do have. I'll show them to you. Are, is anybody seeing? No, no one is seeing this video. It's all audio. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. <laughs> do you want me to show them to you? I want to see. I'll show you okay. mine if you'll show me yours. Okay. This just turned into a different show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's begin. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring. This week, Lauren is out because um, pandemic and school and she has kids. So she is doesn't really want to send them back to school. So in pure like Lauren fashion, she is just building a school herself and will um, yeah, hire a teacher, which I believe is going to be her mom. And will just she's just making her own school. Because she didn't like her options. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's a, it's a tough space for sure. It is amazing. It We're kind of in that boat. Well, thank you, COVID. Yeah. Um, where our girls are, you know, we, we have to decide by August the 5th whether or not after three weeks of virtual learning, they'll go on site or, or, the, or will they be in a hybrid remote, you know, situation or. Oh or what? God. But the interesting thing is, is once you make the decision, you can't go back. What? They won't let you like change your mind? No, you can't waffle after you've made the decision. Right now, at least that's what we're, what we're being told. So yeah, it's very um, unsettling times for a parent right now, you know, with um, the decision of, of what to do with the school thing and the teachers. I mean, my heart goes out to the teachers because that's very stressful for them oh right now. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, it always feels to me like it's an unsettling time to be a parent at all times, mm-hmm. but I can't actually oh, yeah. even fathom having another human I'm in charge of right now, like at all. Uh, so that terrifying job falls to you, who's also our honorary co-host this week, Shauna Vote. Welcome. All right. And thank, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. No, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, before we begin, and today we're going to be talking about reconstructive surgery after mastectomy, basically. This episode, so I have two general like PSAs, public service announcements. The first one. This episode is specifically going to be talking about deep flap reconstruction after a mastectomy as a result of breast cancer, very specific. There are other options for reconstruction. Um, deep flap is an, like referred to as an autologous flap reconstruction, which basically means they take fat and skin and vessels from one part of your body or the other, and they make boobs out of them, meaning they kind of fold them up and they put them in your, uh, on your chest. But there's also implant reconstruction where they just fill those skin pillows cases with plastic. Um, got one of those on my left here, actually. And then there's 
something the uh, ACA calls no reconstruction or going flat, which I like much better how the National Cancer Institute refers to it, and that is an aesthetic flat closure. Mm-hmm. And there are women who choose to remain flat, and I really can't argue with the aesthetic appearance of it. It is, there's like something, now that there are more like pictures available of women who choose this, mm-hmm. and it's not always a choice either. That's right. the other thing that we're going to talk about. Uh which is my second PSA. And that is that reconstructive surgery after a mastectomy is not a reward. It is not free implants. It is not a free tummy tuck. This does not make up for having to live with breast cancer as a diagnosis for the rest of your life and the loss of autonomy and body pride and health and wages and career advancement and a fully functioning immune system during a global pandemic or otherwise. Right. It's, it's not a consolation prize. So stop saying stupid shit like that to people. If you have been, we forgive you. But also just stop right now. Because for a lot of women, they don't get to choose what reconstructive surgery they get. They're just told. Like, I don't know about you, but I was told that I would have to have a deep flap procedure. Because of radiation. Yeah. Uh pretty much statistics told uh, that the the deep flap was in my you know the odds were more in my favor for deep flap so more so with that you know I was peppered with a lot of statistics from my plastic surgeon mm-hmm. who I love who helped persuade me and guide me into the right way you know he shared with me all of my options that were available and the risks that went with them and the risk for me getting a um, implant was far too um, was far too high for a possible rejection, or even after radiation, maybe even being an impossibility. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily that they said, "Hey, you have to have this done, mm-hmm. or else," but just really shared with me a lot of the information. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to do this, or else, or else. Um, but share with me my options. And then I did a lot of research on my own and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very happy with the decision I made. Um, yeah. you know, there are times, you know, that, cause there is a lot of scarring with a deep flap, right? Not just on your breasts, but on your stomach. I have a new yes. belly button. Who knew? Right. I did not um, know. I did I not know I was getting a new belly button. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, so I, you know what? I had an Audi at the beginning, and I was like, uh. Wait, they made you an Audi? On a, well, it just, you know, the, the swelling. So when I woke up, I'm like, oh, what the oh, hell what? is this? You know, and so when I went for my couple, pre up after that, I'm like, my belly button's not real cute, you know? So it faded. I ended up having to wear some compression garments and it ended up, you know, going back in. Okay. Um, But for me, you know, it really, I think in all honesty, um, knowing, I think he was trying to persuade me in a very delicate way because I, I very much wanted implants very much like deep flat was not something I wanted to do. I was a resistor to it. And so when I met with my um, plastic surgeon, I had two, I had two consults with him, and both of those consults were 
two hours at a time. <gasps> so bless his heart. He spent four hours God, with me Shana. on two different occasions. Yes. He has the patience of Job, right? He does. And um, <clears throat> it was just wonderful. So for, for in, in those cases, I think, you know, pretty much I wanted the implants and then hearing the research and then talking with women and then really talking with him. Um, it was really, you know, also quicker for me to get the reconstructive if I went the deep flat way. Otherwise, I would have had to wait at least 18 months to even look at doing um, implants. Okay. And so, did you and have, he was, you know, very real with me. Yeah. Did you have radiation? Actually, okay, wait, let's back up. Okay, um, yeah. Let's, let's like let everybody get to know you. Let's play mm-hmm. the getting to know, getting to know you. Yes. This would be a good place for a song on my soundboard, which I don't have. Okay. So I know you and I've known you for a while, but can you kind of walk us through your diagnosis and treatment and all that jazz? Of course. Okay. So I found my breast cancer on my own. Self-exams. Um, can I do a PSA? Yes, please. Self-exams oh, today, so many ladies. Yes. Yes, they do. Say it again. You know, Say it again. Self-exams say, save lives. And don't forget to touch your tatas once a month. Um, she and means so your breasts. I, yeah, my, your breasts. Get all up in there. Um, get all up in there because you're worth it. And <laughs> so I had, I had my mammogram at 40. I missed it at 41. Life got in the way. I got the, you know, the calls for my reminders to go get them. And I put it off because, you know, I was healthy, right? Um, There was no reason for me to think I had cancer. It didn't run in my family. I felt all right. So at 42, I was a December day and I happened to be lying in bed one night and just decided, you know what, I'm going to see what all the fuss is about, about these, you know, self-exams. So I was doing a self-exam and I felt the lump and it was right under my nipple. Was this your first ever self-exam? Yes. Okay, that's amazing. I know. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. So don't be a Shauna vote and wait till you're 42 (laughs) for your self-exam, ladies. So... I nudged my husband who was sleeping beside me and I said, Hey, honey, I felt something on my breast. Can you touch my breast? You know, can you feel this? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, hand over like a kid <laughs> in a candy store. Um, and then he felt it and it would, you know, that it turned to a totally different uh, situation. Right. So you know, I ended up, I had a, um, an appointment with my doctor already for my annual, you know, physical, my birthday's in April, but in December I wanted to get it done so I could get wellness points, whatever, for the end of the year. And so I went in to my physical and I actually had called back like before my appointment. And I said, you know, Hey, I have a lump in my breast. I know I already have my physical exam you know, scheduled. Can we move it up? So they moved it up like a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. So life got in the way. And I was actually, I was a little bit in denial at this point. So denial and then probably thinking if I ignored it, it might go away, you know? Oh yeah. So I was going to cancel my appointment. Um, 
for my physical, for my physical exam Mm -hmm. and my doctor's, um, office called and said, you know, actually my doctor called, not just my doctor's office, but my doctor, your actual doctor called you, my actual doctor, Uh because she, I, I loved her. Um, she's moved on since then, but I really like, you know how you have that med- that medical professional in your life yes. that you just love them, yep. you know, and I didn't see her all that often, maybe once a year for my, you know, physical exams. And then, um, in between, you know, whatever, maybe sickness, cold or whatever. I just loved her anyway. So she called me and said, you need to get in here. Um, she was wow. pregnant with her third child and she's like, I'm in labor. And I saw in the notes that for your visit that you had a lump in your breast. I need to see you today. She was and in to labor right now. Yes, and she, she and said, just casually looking over your notes and then called you yes. while she's in yep. labor with a with a child in her. Yes. Third okay. child. She just started her, you know, her contractions or whatever. And she's oh like, I got God. a couple <laughs> hours, but I need you to get in here right now. And I'm like, what? okay, so might as well go on in there. And so I go in, she does the exam, does the other exams, and then says, you know what? I'm going to schedule you for a diagnostic uh, mammogram. So I'm thinking, oh, crap. You know, now I got to pay for this because it's now going to turn diagnostic. And so I'm going to wait until after the first of the calendar year to have it start over because that way, you know, if it is something, at least I can wipe out my deductible because I had like a $3,000 deductible or something mm-hmm. like that at the time. I blew it off a little bit and I had shared all of this with my sister who also happens to be a physician in Virginia. Oh my goodness. Who, yeah, you were not so getting away with this. I was not, but my sister was literally calling me every day. You need to get this done. You realize oh, you're supposed to have that done within 10 days and da 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 da. Wow. So finally I had it done in mid mid January, mid to late January. And so I went in and went by myself mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to have probably have to do a biopsy because my sister said, don't panic. If they have to do a biopsy, it could be nothing, you know, but call me afterwards. Um, you know, whatever. So yeah, I went to the appointment and, um, and then again, you know, you go in and everybody is so nice to you <laughs> and they're nice to me anyway, but then they really started being nice to me and then being quiet I and then oh my God, I took me into so the ultrasound room and the tech was, you know, going under my armpit mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, what are you seeing? And she's like, well, I can't really read anything. We're just being precautious, you know, but she was really kind of quiet and so then I uh, went back into the waiting room and then I caught, caught into what I call to now, I coined it the tissue box room. Um, Cause they take you into this private room with probably, I think it might've been at this point, I can't remember too much, a patient navigator and a radiologist. Yes. I met with the radiologist and it's a female and she was really sweet. Both of them were really nice. Okay. My lady's and, name was Valencia. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, that was her name. And she was a very glamorous woman. She had like a pencil skirt on and I trusted her because of how like she just immediately like took charge of the whole situation. And it was like, I didn't, 
I knew what was going on because people were, were, again, like you said, being so nice to me. But until I got in that windowless room and they sat me down, like they had to tell me like three times that I probably had breast cancer for me to like fully absorb it. Yeah, but they were very delicate with me. So they were like, it may be nothing. We can't really tell. Mm -hmm. You have two, you have a suspicious lump and it could be, you know, it, it could be nothing. It could be benign, you know, could be a clogged, you know, duct, whatever. Um, but we also need to have your, your lymph node biopsied. So I'm thinking, okay, well, all right, maybe I just had a cold. Like I was in this like protective denial thing. Yeah. So like, did you I know? leave? Did you know? Did I know? Like in that moment? No, I, I did not. I kind of had that. Oh, can I cast? Oh shit. You know, like <laughs> I had one of those moments and, yeah. but then I was like, well, but nobody in my family has breast cancer. And my mother is one of 10 children and oh nine of God. them are women. So oh. nobody had died of breast cancer. Okay. We've had other cancers. So I didn't link it to anything because I was so naive about different genetic types of cancers, which sure. I'll get into that. I did. I'm not, I, I, I do not have the genetic precursor. I did get the genetic testing and mm -hmm. I do not have the BRCA1. So, but so ironically, I knew, I didn't really know anybody who had breast cancer and the people that I did know were people's moms from a long time ago or something, or people that I knew that had died. So to me, breast cancer meant death, Exactly. you know? And so yes. I think my mind didn't want to even think that like, okay, there's nothing, you know, I'm 42. No, at that time, I'm 42. I don't know anybody with breast cancer. People don't get it this young, mm -hmm. you know, and if they do, or they did, they had a family history. So I'm probably okay. You know, I was running these things through my head. Like, well, I did, I think I had a mosquito bite. So maybe my lymph nodes, you know, because I had a cold or something, you know, you just kind of go crazy. Yeah. So the biopsy. Okay. Again, girl, I went to the biopsy by myself. What like, are you thinking? I literally have to be bleeding out of my eyeballs to like realize that I need help or, or you know whatever. What? And I think that's, I think that's a, an inherently woman thing. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing. I just love when men have their little thought parties together with other men that they know uh, yeah. and, and speculate about all the ways that women are more um, attuned to the emotions of others because we're more sensitive and we're, we're better positioned to be the nurturer in the family and yada, 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 bullshit after bullshit. And then I just think yeah. of all the conversations I ever have with women and just this one here where a woman in, in goddamn labor who is a physician calls you and is like, get in my office because right before I have this baby, I need to diagnose you. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to have someone shove some needles in my breast and pull out some tissue. I'm good for that. I can just go get that done and go back to work. Like, yeah, it's a You know what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So wherever you grew up, I think it's just because you're a woman. Universal. I, I would agree with that. And, yeah. and, I also like to think that I come from a very long lineage of strong women at that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and so um, strong-willed women. <laughs> so, yeah. So part of that, I think, was that. And then I'm also one of those, I don't like to kind of really bother anybody. And I also don't want to throw out into the universe. Like, I didn't want to speak to the fact that maybe I have breast cancer and I've released it in the world and it comes true. You know, you just come through okay. these like crazy things, yes. thoughts in your mind. And I, so I went by myself, hurt like hail. Oh, yes, it <laughs> did. So. I think I like broke the uh, MA's hand. I squeezed it so hard. Um, So a couple of days goes by and I get the call and um, she called me and, and said, Hey, you know, I, um, doc wants you to come in and um, we don't have your pathology reports back yet. She lied. They did. And he wants you to come in because um, he wants to check you out again, because sometimes with a biopsy, there's some bruising and all of that. And so we don't have the full pathology yet. But by, by the time you get here tomorrow, we'll have it. But you need to bring somebody with you. And I'm like, bring somebody with me. What? And that's when the alarms went off. Really? Do I have cancer? I said, tell me now, right now. Do I have cancer? We don't have it all yet. So I, you know, let's just wait. But doctor, she you know, freak you um, out. Is that it? she wanted to freak me out. Okay. And so I call my sister. Well, first I call my husband. I'm like, you got to ask off for work because I, I got to have you meet me there. I went to work the next day. You oh, know, I you have did. a really good way of compartmentalizing things and like mm-hmm. putting it away, doing other things and then dealing with it, you know? So, um, I made the appointment at the end of the day, had my husband meet me and I had called my sister, you know, the day before and like, okay, I think I'm going to die. I think I might have cancer. They've told me to bring somebody with, uh, with me because they don't have all my pathology reports yet, but they want to give, you know, follow up. And she was like, my sister's normally pretty cool as a cucumber. She was kind of silent. And then she's like, well, maybe that's his off. Like she's trying to calm me down. She was soothing um, you, that you were, you know, you, that you were by yourself. And so, um, and that you, you know, was uncomfortable. And so maybe, you know, that's what they're wanting you to do. So I'm like, okay, I bought her story. You, know? you did. But she, and then she threw in the, but if something goes wrong. I'll set some time aside that if you guys need to call me and he needs to talk to me through you so I can answer any questions, let him know that you'll sign a release to do that and ask him if he would be willing to call me on conference call. So I go to the appointment and I could see it on his face and he sits down and he said, well, he, come, he sits down in front of me and he says, I am so sorry. I don't know how to tell you this but you have breast cancer. We are going to move fast. So just be prepared. Everything is going to move fast. And he was not kidding. The next day, they had scheduled me a PET scan, a CT scan, an MRI, um, all under a week. And by February 1st, I had my port placement and my... um, lymph node biopsy and I had chemo the next day. Wow. I had um, six rounds of TCHP. So my infusions were about seven hours. So Texatir, Clobatin, Herceptin, Progetta, mm-hmm. and then a year's worth of Herceptin infusions. Um, yeah. And then I had the um, Nulesta, you know, on the, the robot. After the robot. Uh-huh. 
I had a left side mastectomy um, and then had the expander yes. and then ended up with 33 rounds of um, radiation. Are you at 33 and then rounds? What stage were you? Do you remember? Stage 2B. So like Me too. Stage 2.5, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like stage two plus. my tumor would have been just a, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I just kind of did it all. Um, not mm. meaning that I did it all because I didn't have the help. I just didn't really think like that I'm dying of cancer. Like, right. okay, I like being in control. So I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix you. Nobody needs to fix me. I got it, you know? Yeah. And so I uh, was like that pretty much the whole way through. And, you know, even in the infusion rooms and stuff, like I'm, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, girl, you're going to beat it while I'm getting chemo. Like you got this. <laughs> and so my, my oncologist. Yeah. Denial is such a, such a powerful, like just not even denial, it's, but like compartmentalization is yes. such a, like at, at once it is a superpower and such a, it'll just, it'll just mess you up. Because breaking it down does. those walls afterwards, for at least for me, has been very difficult. It is. So I, um, and again, and, I, and when I said that I did it all, I didn't mean that I did everything. I had a lot of support for my yeah. husband and my family and my friends. I had amazing people and I love them all. But I think I tried too hard to put it out in the world that I was happy and I was going into this, you know, with you know, I had my moments in the beginning where I cried and I freaked mm -hmm. out and all of that. And I didn't like that feeling. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I don't feel that way, it won't be scary, yeah. which is dumb because you should deal with it. So my oncologist and eventually said to me, you know, I don't really think you're dealing with this. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to refer you to go talk to somebody, to a therapist. They won't tell me what you said, but they will tell me if you went. So I really think you need to get some help because if you don't deal with this, it's like any PTSD, it's going to hit you and it's going to be way overwhelming. Yeah. And right now you, she, she was very real with me a lot of times. Right now, you're not a survivor status yet. You're not at no evidence of disease. Let the people who've been out, who've been free of this for five, 10 years, whatever, be the ones supporting other people because right now, you got to support yourself. Yeah. That dynamic where you're the person who is cared for, it's like, <sighs> like, I did the same thing. Like, I will tell people, like, no, you let people take care of you. You let people cook yeah. these meals for you. You let people clean your house for you. But that is not exactly what I did. It's just I can now understand how helpful that is, not only for me, but also for that person. But when you're going through it, and I had been in therapy already for years, <laughs> so I had that set up. But the idea that you can just, like, that you have all the tools that you would need to deal with mm -hmm. cancer in that time. I mean, that is some high level mental like voodoo shit that you don't mm -hmm. just know how to do. So you don't. getting someone to help and you with that. And so that you can feel like, I don't know, letting other people help you. It's, it is very similar 
for me to the way that like you mentioned people look at you with those sad puppy dog mm -hmm. eyes and that's sympathy and mm -hmm. i at once want sympathy and i need it and i hate it because it creates a you and me situation like there's no us you are the person yeah. who pities me and i am the person to be pitied and yep. i don't like being in that situation so I, like you said, just took control and was like, I can handle this and I can do everything and I don't need to be pitied. Look, we're going through this together. We're the same, yep. but you're not, you're, you're having a very unique experience. It's a shared experience. You have other women, you know, around that you can reach out to, but it's a shared experience, but then it isn't because it's so unique to you. Mm, right. 100%. And lonely and isolating in that space. It, it is very much. And I am, like I said, I am so grateful for my husband and my family and my mm -hmm. parents, and my friends, because they were amazing. Um, my husband stayed with me in the hospital. My sister ended up taking care of the kids. And my husband checked all my bandages, you know, and my drains um, and actually was, you know, learned how to remove the drain, you know. Um, all of these things wipe my butt, <laughs> you know. That is something no one tells shower. you about. Nobody tells you to do. I mean, and to be it fair, really it's did. really hard to put it in a pamphlet, but yes, nobody tells you about that. No. Um, that you need somebody to wipe your butt because you have T Rex arms, meaning I you can't move you your arms. You told arm. me, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Thank you for that information," and. I was able to wipe my own ass only because I only had a mastectomy and a deep on this right side. So we put a traditional implant in this left side. So I had this left arm, but still, I was prepared. I was prepared to get very close with either a friend or to very much complicate my marriage because that man's never seen me on the toilet in 15 years. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's an arbitrary thing that I do, but I just, I don't want, I don't want that. Don't cross that line. What? Who does, right? right. So, yes, so he, he had to wipe my butt. And he gave man. me a shower, like he had got in the shower Jeez. with me. It was great. And, and so I'm glad that I did it because I think he needed it too. Yeah. You know, and... That is when that recovery of the deep is when the darkness sits in, yeah. but it's temporary. You know, when I say the darkness, because for me, it was like, okay, you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel here and you got, a, you got nothing but time through deep mm -hmm. flap. And that more than ever is when you've got to give up your pride and ask for help. You know, same thing with the mastectomy piece too. You got to be able to ask for help. Um, I know with my mastectomy, I didn't look at it for two days. I had my sister, like I had one eye. Really? I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that because it's a little shocking. Okay. To me, it was. Did you come out flat um, or did they have your tissue expander inflated? He had it, expand, it inflated with two, 200 cc's already. Okay. Mine With air. Mine was totally flat. So yeah. when I came out, I had my, you know the left boob that they didn't do anything with. And then I had a flat, uh, and it was like all kind of shrivelly looking because you know, the tissue expander isn't inflated all the way. It looks yeah. deformed and kind of, and it was like 
Yeah. It was like they took a normal boob and just deflated it and pushed it flat and it had all the like skin ripples. Anyway. Yep. That was the first it's thing no I looked joke. at. I was like, show me. I want to see it. But it was um, difficult. It was a little difficult. It's, I'm not going to lie. And and then, you know, a week later, I got the rest of it, you know, blown, not blown up, but injected and mm-hmm. filled. Um, but yeah, so with the deep, um, I ended up getting, a, you know, the right side mastectomy and a immediate deep flap for both breasts. Okay. So I don't have, I didn't have nipples. My nipples weren't salvaged. And I had the option of keeping my right side nipple. Yeah. My left side was already way gone. Um, And that was, you know, the cancer, the tumor was really kind of right under. So that was really a no-go. That nipple was a no-go. And I didn't want to have one nipple and then another and not have the other. I wanted them to at least match. Yeah. Um, that was me. Some people have kept the one good, mm-hmm. good nipple, if you will. And then they had <laughs> another one. And then he had kind of had shared with me my options too. He could recreate a nipple, you know, nipples, whatever, but was very honest with me that because of the radiation, I could reject the nipple on the left side, my body, Yes. you know, and it, it may look kind of deformed or whatever. And so I ended up getting the nipple tattoos. You did. And are you happy with them? So I am. They faded quite a bit. Okay. Um, because I, part of that is my, I went a little lighter than I probably should have. Okay. So I'm very happy. She did an amazing job. I, I had toyed around with whether I wanted to do that person or I wanted to do that Vinnie Myers, who's like the breast cancer god of nipples. Oh, I didn't know He's about in, the breast cancer you know, god of nipples. So there's, there's a tattoo artist and he's like the first person who really did the nipple tattoos. Okay. And he travels all over, all over the United States and has flocks of women that come to him. He's in, he's in Boston, I think. He'll come to Austin. And then now he has a team that does it, but it's very expensive. It's like a thousand dollars, but I know several people hmm. who've done it and yeah. damn do his do they look good really i mean they look i think he may have google finney myers i think he may have had a sister that had breast cancer oh. and so but i wanted to do that because i wanted to be like seal the deal Vinnie myers yeah. did it make it a cool trip all of that but then it was like thousand dollars or a fifty dollar copay because that, that's hard classic yeah. surgeon so my insurance covered it. So I did that and she did an amazing job. She's from California who he had come in and do it. Mm-hmm. And then we went a little bit lighter and then I, they faded a little bit. Okay. So, but that day was like the best day ever because I finally felt like I look like a woman. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like, yeah, because I, you know, I have always had small, I've always had like what I would refer to as tits. So they're like <laughs> levels of, of, of like whatever these things on our chest are called. Tits are like mm-hmm. just little ones, you know, A cups, which is what basically what mm-hmm. I had. And then there's breasts. And these are like lovely, like Helen Mirren has breasts. Like she just has great breasts. And then there's boobs. That are just like really, really large, clearly out there and um, augmented, which is fine. If that's your look, go for it. 
But I wanted breasts out of this. And I would say that post-deep, this left side is a definite, like, a, like, it is a breast. It's amazing. I had no idea implants, like a traditional implant outside of breast cancer, uh, could look so good. And Mm -hmm. then this right side, which is the deep side, it's also a breast. It, it shrunk up a little because that's what happens with radiated skin. It does. Yeah. So, but honestly, it's the exact same symmetry I had before as far as ratios, just kind of reversed because my, my big boob is the one that, well, big, what I mean is my B cup is the one that got cancer, of course. Not the little squirrely A cup I had here, but. Right. But, I mean, it's. It's, so I had, I was a size D before cancer. And so, um, so with the deep flap, because, you know, it was one of those things like, I'm just going to eat a shit ton of tacos and donuts so I can get some big boobies. You know, right. like, that really. was my thinking. But like I joked with Doc because he, he was like, you got a perfect stomach for this. I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to take that. What are you trying to say? And that? he was like, it's, it's cute. Like it was like pudgy, you know, like a little pudge. Yeah. He's like, it's cute. It's a perfect size C. I can get you a good size C. And then I lost a little bit of weight and he's like, well, maybe it'd be. And I'm like, I will eat all the tacos and donuts and everything you want me to do to get some fat into the stomach. And he's like, no, yeah, they you need do protein. Not, they do not want that. Yeah. He was like, absolutely not. I want you to be healthy and I want you to, to eat all the protein in the world, you know, and be healthy. Do not eat a bunch of crap right now. So I didn't, but I ended up gaining weight. So I ended up getting a good C and and I picked up some weight since then. So one of the things I am grateful for with the deep is your breasts grow and shrink with you. You gain weight, you lose weight. They feel real. Like they feel real in the sense that they feel like soft little warm breasts, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I sometimes wish that I would have been a candidate for the, um, and plants, because the, from my understanding and from what I've seen, there's less scarring. But honestly, yeah. like, I'll show you, like, I have really good cleavage. You like, certainly they do. They look real. Oh, that looks great. And they, um, You've got great movement. They they really do have, I'll show them to you. Are, is anybody seeing? No, no one is seeing this video. It's all audio. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. You want me to show them to you? I want to see. I'll show you okay. mine if you'll show me yours. Okay. This just turned into a different show. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we go. <laughs> okay, but those nipples look really good. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Your boobs look great. Oh, my scarring. Like, this This is the oh, radiation. I have that, too. Okay. Yeah. I have that, too. Watch. And then this one's not as bad. No, that, your right one is outstanding. And the left one is still great. You had radiation right. on the left? Yes. Yeah, I cannot tell. Your skin looks amazing. So mine, this one, so I still have my nipple. That's this your one, deep fruit. Yeah, this fruit? is the deep one. And this is the nice implant. That's a good one. Yeah, they look really good. And you got to keep your nipples. I did, yeah. Although lucky. this one, I know, I'm very lucky. This one's a bit discolored from radiation because uh, we almost yeah. lost that guy. <laughs> but it stayed yeah. on. 
But right now, I don't know when this all resolves. You look really good. Thank you. I'm, oh, I'm so pissed because of this stupid global pandemic that we're going through because I had plans for these breasts. I was going to get these out there, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I still can whenever this all resolves, but whatever. But right now, I, I feel like the, the deep side, it's still obviously healing. I had major, like, epic bruising. Like, yeah. every color yeah. of the bruise rainbow going on. It's still bruised. And I think in terms of, like, how it feels, I think it still has a bit, like, it will relax a little bit more. Because this this left one, which, again, is just a traditional implant. I didn't have a mastectomy on this side. I just left it alone. It looks good. It is amazing. And it feels like it's mm. full of, like... Like the kind of jello you get in the cup, you know? Yeah. Firmer jello. And then this one on the right side still kind of feels like a pound cake in there. It's it's really dense still. So I feel like that's going to kind of relax a little bit and become more, you know, get more movement to it and stuff. Yeah. So my left side, it shrunk a little bit. Yeah. Um, And they were. So they have fallen a little bit. You know, like they were really perky but when I, I first got them. They were okay, but I love that look. I, like I did for too. me, this is why I always look when I'm like having like dreams of what I want my breasts to look like. I always think of older women, like again, like Helen Mirren. Oh, uh, Susan mm-hmm. Sarandon. Jesus, her boobs. Mm-hmm. Like that's the look I love the most. And and yet I, you know, I was fine with the you know titties I had, which were very small. I don't know. I was always comfortable. I was a, mm-hmm. the, the boobs yeah. were never really the show. And so now that's still kind of the case, but now I'm just like really aware of breasts and like in clothes, it's great in clothes. There's such a good shape to them yeah. now. And then also to my, to my stomach where they took the fat out, they took like every bit of fat I had. Like, yeah. And you're a tiny person anyway. I'm a, oh God, what's the word everyone kept using? I'd never heard it so much in my life. Um, petite. You're so mm-hmm. petite. You have such a petite frame, which is supposed to be, that's, you know, supposed to be what we consider to be a traditional, you know, like marker yeah. of beauty. But the thing is, it kind of screwed me because I didn't, I almost wasn't a candidate for this surgery. And there are people who are too thin to get a slap. And that is heartbreaking because it's it's almost nothing but genetics that does that. Like, my entire family is tiny. I've always been, when I got married 15 years ago, I was like 100 pounds soaking wet. And mm-hmm. I've worked very hard to put on weight. And I work hard to maintain it. Um, it's super Super easy in a quarantine <laughs> because right. I, uh, oh, for sure. I don't know if you saw this picture that I put on Instagram the other day. I saw but that. <laughs> so like gaining weight now is easier than it's ever been. It's great. But it was really hard for me to hear, you know, like that they were going to try their hardest and that I couldn't I really know. have exactly. Sorry. Yeah, but. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I um, I only have so I only had the phase one, but I've got I I've got plenty still that they could suck away. I <laughs> on mean, the me too. Now, bring mm-hmm. here. 
I won't let them take yeah. anything out of my ass, though. Like, no. There are people who pay for an ass this big, so I will keep it. They can take some from, you know, back here, but I don't want too much gone. Have you done phase two? No, uh, we were going to in September, but my plastic surgeon does not want me. I have yet to regain uh, any semblance of an immune system. So, yeah. uh, and I think that is because of the Cadsila that I had, but she does not so, want to do phase two until the pandemic is over pretty much. I, I, that's, I, my deep was December 13th of 2019. So mm -hmm. they're my deep babies are a little over a year, Congratulations. <laughs> a year and a half. Yes. But I had the edema for a while and I still do. Like I get real bad bloating and, you know, so for anybody who likes to say that the deep flap is, is like a tummy tuck, they're a big fat liar. Oh yeah. Because. Oh my God. It, my stomach was, it goes through phases of being really flat to swollen. And, Mine too. You know. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, I know now, like right now I'm, I'm in a transition period where that's going to happen. And, but I just can't express enough. Like the, the farther out I get, I think the higher my expectations are for what I want my body to look like. And mm -hmm. it is just the slowest process I've ever, there are days where I wake up still and like standing up straight feels like a stretch still. Yeah. And yeah. Yep. I still feel like I have on a tight belt. Yeah, like, like, like a shapewear, right? Yes. Like it still feels like, you know, like sometimes I, I still feel like really tight. Okay. Like I'm wearing a belt, you know, and um, yeah. And there are times when I, maybe I move wrong or I, I move in a way that I haven't in a while and it just tugs on that scar in there and it and it sends yeah. this pain and it's so it's not that the pain is, is so overwhelming it's just so unexpected that it like catches you yeah here's the thing here's like to hold just like sum up the whole I feel like experience and I I pulled out like a journal entry from I think it was 60 days post-op that I had written about and there's like a saying, you can never go home again. Mm -hmm. And it's from a book. And that just reminded me of what it feels like now, like in this body. Like mm -hmm. I had a body, I had a home, and now it's like somebody else moved in and like changed it, like painted all the walls, like mm -hmm. cut down the tree outside, changed the carpet. And then I had to move back in to that home, but I couldn't change it back to the way I remember it and the way yeah. like I grew up with it. And so I just have to now live in this home. I have to live in this new body that's not mine and that I didn't get to redecorate myself. And I just have to kind of make the best of it and learn to like what it is. And there are some things I like better, honestly. Mm -hmm. this left breast, I, 
probably would have never gotten myself implants electively. And I feel that that would have been something I had no idea that I would have really, really liked. So yeah. that's nice to know. It's nice to put on a dress that can accom both accommodate my ass and that my breasts will actually fill out on the top. That has yes. almost never happened to me in my life. So that's a good feeling. But I just, I still, I still would rather have my old body back. Oh, for sure. Somebody had shared with me, take a picture of your breast because you're not going to, it's never going to be the same. Yeah. And I'd say that is one of the things, one of the many things I miss about me the most is the feeling like I don't have nipples. I miss sensation. You know, I'm talking not just sensation from that, but just feeling, you know, you forget what it feels like to have the sensation of even a shower on them. You know, yeah. um, I, I do miss not having breast. And even though mine weren't perfect, you know, one of my nipples had a little um, mole on it, you know, mm -hmm. but it was my breast, yeah. you know, they were mine. You know, I, I fed my babies with them. Mm. They were my body, you know? And so it wasn't as if I went to go get them, you know, fixed, right. To make right. them more beautiful, enhanced on their own. They were removed, you know, they were taken and from I got, you. they were taken. Yeah. And, you know, the fact of the reality is they were taken from me and they've, while my plastic surgeon's done a fabulous job, they still look like they are still breasts that are gone as a part of, as an effect of cancer. And no matter, you know, that's always going to be there, Yeah. you know, and like, there's always that radiation tightness, you know, even though I put all these creams and all that other stuff, it still feels, that side still feels different. You know, and so it's those things that um, you really miss, like whether your body was perfect or not before you miss that. I miss the fact that I never worried about being sick. Now, if I get a headache, I lose my mind. Yeah. You know, like, yes, it's almost like people forget, you know, yeah. and so not that you want them to be like, hey, how are you doing every day? But Ugh. it almost is like, OK, well, she's healed. Like it's all over. It's all over. Like get over it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually had somebody cause I'm very open about it. I will stop what I'm doing. If I hear that somebody is diagnosed and they want to talk, I will literally stop on my tracks. And if that person wants to call me, I'll talk to them because Same. nobody, nobody knows until you've been through it. No, you know, and, and on my part, it's a little bit selfish too. like doing this, even doing this podcast or like I selfishly want to garner this community around me of women and men are also welcome. I just don't know any yet, yeah. but I want people who understand what I am going through and I want to help people who are behind me through it. And I want to take advice and get wisdom from the people who are ahead of me. And like, that is what I need. So I do it. I can convince myself that I'm doing something for other people, but really 
it's for me. Like I need this really. Oh yeah. Really yeah. Bad. Yes. Yes. And we, you know, we, we all do. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things like, um, so I'm, I'm really not as involved, but I got really involved with the breast cancer resource center and went to all their support groups. So I've met yeah. some women through that. And a lot of them that I still, you know, we chat online, whatever. Um, and it's interesting because some people are very, very open about their fears. And like I said, I was very positive, right? But just because I was very positive doesn't mean that I was hurting inside. And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things when we talk about these fears like that, that I've had people are like, oh, you feel that way too? Like, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like I was having, I was trying to have this conversation with my husband, like. I really miss my breasts. He's like, well, they look fine. I know. But sometimes like I might, not that I'm sitting around watching porn, but let's say that I'm watching TV and there's like a woman (laughs) that has breasts, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really, damn, you know, like, um, okay. I was watching, you just kind of miss it. I was watching an episode. What was it? I don't even remember what I was watching, but there was a woman and she was laying on her side, almost her stomach. And then in this scene, she just flipped to the other side in her bed. Like it was nothing. And I'm like, God, I miss that. Yes. I miss being able to change positions in bed with abandon. And I also miss sleeping on my stomach. Like mm-hmm. my breasts were not an issue. They were small. I just like could lay flat on my stomach <laughs> with my head yeah. turned to the side so that like one nostril could get some air in. And I just, I can't do that now. Everything is so, every movement that I have is so purposeful. Mm-hmm. It, aside yeah. from, aside from every other thing that I enjoyed about having full sensation in my mm. breasts, which really can't. It's a grieving process. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lifelong grieving process for that. Um, yeah, so. I think it's going to be, I think it really is. Um, and if I lose the curl in my hair, I'm telling you right now, I'm a, I will lose my damn mind. It's so pretty curly. It is really curly still. And I've been cutting it. I've been keeping it short because it's cute. I love it short. I just love it. I love a short curly look and I've never had that before. And I am so, uh, like this hair is for me like a pure benefit. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I don't, there is nothing that I don't love about it. And it's like the one thing that's just so pure, such a, such a boost to me that if it if it relaxes to like where what I had before which was I have texture in my hair I have like wave but not these <laughs> curly cues that I have now I I think that uh just be aware if you see a picture of me and my hair has gone kind of straighter uh I need to be put on some kind of like watch schedule people need to be checking in on me because I'm putting a lot of like my fortified uh, happiness right now, like in this. The like, hair. Yeah, the yeah. hair, which is crazy. But look, it just is. It just is what's going on. 
Mine did not. Mine was stubborn. So I, like I said, I like Peter Pan. Like mine was <laughs> not a cute. Look. I have never heard anyone say that before, but like the more I'll you say you it, the more, hair. the more I'm like getting a visual and it's, and it's great. It's actually a very, a very good, uh, whatever that's called metaphor. Or whatever. I'll text you a picture okay. of my I Peter see, Pan hair. I would like to see the Peter Pan hair. Um, uh, recognizing that the scariest part of this whole thing, like just in, in terms of pure, um, fear was right before I had the procedure, like in the weeks and months before mm -hmm. the procedure, what final like recommendations or encouragement do you have if for women who know that this is in their future, they're going to get a deep flat procedure and they're going down that Google rabbit hole and they just need someone mm. to tell them it's going to be okay. What, what advice or what do you have to say for them? Um, research, but you got to stop a little bit after a while because you'll go crazy mm. because you will find, you know, there are some unsuccessful deep flat st stories out there. Mm -hmm. And there's some really scary deep flat stories out there, especially there's a bunch of, you know, I'm on all these different, I was on this national deep flat, um, support group, um, you know, on social media and all of these other mm -hmm. things. So research it, but once you've made the decision, be comfortable and confident in that decision, research your plastic surgeon. Also, if you're able to talk to people, um, there's a ton of support groups here locally. Mm -hmm. um, or even locally where you are listening from that have people who've gone through that experience who talk to them, um, get to know what their outcomes were. And then once you've made that decision, you're going to probably need to pause on any of these social medias because it can really drive you crazy and be very scary. Yeah. Um, so just prepare yourself to know that it is a very difficult procedure. Um, and I was terrified, but I remember waking up like, ah, I made it. Like I survived. I did it. <laughs> Woo. Um, just know that it's a difficult procedure. You are going to need some support. Yeah. And so when I say support, you're, you're going to have, you're, you're going to have to learn to be vulnerable for a period of time because it, there's a lot of scarring, be it you, you need to be able to understand to look big picture mm -hmm. and understand that it's, you know, it's like a canvas, you know, it may take a couple of phases to get you where the outcomes are that you want it to be. Um, and, you know, take baby steps, you know, when you wake up, you're not going to be standing straight for quite some time or even walking for that period of time, mm -hmm. for a period of time. Um, listen to your body take the pain prescriptions that they advise you to, you know, for the first two weeks and whatever you need to do after that, but be willing to be able to take help and be vulnerable and know like that six week spot. Somebody had always shared with me. It's like that six weeks after deep flat, flat is when you start to feel normal because there's a period of time where you really feel like I am stuck in this, like, uh, like I, I, it's like the evolution of man, like you're, you're sitting, you're humped <laughs> over and then you're over a period of time, like learning to be able to stand up straight again. Yes. And I thought this was it. This is my life. Like 
I am, my breasts burn from pain. Mm -hmm. I I feel, you know, like I'm never going to wake up, wake up and not have pain, you know, to some degree or another. And it, it's a good six weeks. I was able to get my nipple tattoos after six months. So definitely, you know, um, be willing and open to having a loved one, a family member, a best friend, whoever it may be to be there with you, um, through it all, because you're going to need somebody around you and with you for at least a good two to three weeks. Mm Um, and you know, um, document it. So I like the fact that I can go back and see how far I've come. And it's kind of, you inspire yourself when you see, you know, how far and how tough you really are. And so for me, you know, with the deep flap, I don't regret it because I like the fact that I have warm, what feels like warm breasts, right? They feel like normal breast and they feel soft to the touch, you know, (laughs) for the most part. Um, and all that, and the scars do heal, you know, and they do heal over time. So just have realistic expectations that you're not going to wake up from recovery and look fantastic. You know, you're just not, you're going to be scarred, swollen, bruised, and, mm-hmm. um, just have some realistic expectations and find some really cool things to watch on Netflix. So be okay to be down for the count for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So here's what I recommend. That person who is like, how can I help? What can I do? But they're not quite the person that you want to bring into your home at this time. Here's what they can do for you. They can buy you an HBO Max subscription, like streaming Mm -hmm. service subscription. And if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, Oh, this yes. is what's happening. You are going to save that. You're going to save Game of Thrones and your favorite foods that you will be able to eat and keep down now because chemo is a memory. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit and you're just going to binge Game of Thrones. And I can't think of anything better to take your mind off of everything. Than, than watching Jason Momoa mm. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Well, the first, so what, two seasons he thought. So many reasons. Yes. 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 That's 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 a perfect thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Good call. Hey, I'm here for it. This is the Breast Cancer is Boring uh, podcast slash Game of Thrones fan club. So, <laughs> yes. those things exist together. Um, Shauna, you are such a great honorary co-host. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. Come back anytime. Uh. For any reason, just let me know and we'll set it up. Sounds awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Breast Cancer is Boring. Um, But Shauna and I are very interesting. So that's why we're here. Anyway, it's going to be fine. You're going to have reconstruction. You're going to get a new body, and we're all going to get used to it. It's going to be great. That's right. The end. The end. So for those of you who are staring down the lonely, long hallway tunnel of getting a deep flap surgery procedure, here are some pieces of advice that we have for you. So pre-op, you are going to know that you're getting this procedure and at a certain point 
you got to stop Googling things. Once you've decided, as Shauna said, just kind of let that decision sit with you, be confident in your decision, be confident that you have all the information that you needed to make this decision. That information is going to come from your surgeon. That information is going to come from women that you know who have had this procedure. And that information is going to come from reputable sites like the website of your breast surgeon. Likely they have one. The website of other groups that have information that's been vetted, the American Cancer Association or the National Cancer Institute. So reputable sources like that is where you want to go to get your information. Also something good to have pre-op, Xanax. If you are not sleeping, if you are obsessing over this procedure, if you can think of nothing else but all the things that can go wrong, that is called anxiety, and there are chemicals to help you with that. So notify your breast surgeon. Let them know you're not sleeping. Let them know that it's hard to think about anything else. You're not able to concentrate and see what they can recommend for you. Benzos aren't for everyone, but maybe they're an option for you. So check it out. Have something to look forward to during that post-op phase plan for the fact that that's going to be really uncomfortable and so you need something that's going to be a reward for me it was girl scout cookies that i put in the freezer and it was an entire watch list for netflix and hbo series um i highly recommend game of thrones like i said Find that friend who's a really good friend who will buy you a subscription to the streaming service of your choice and plan to watch whatever epic fantasy period piece sci-fi that is going to take you out of your current situation, which is going to be no joke uncomfortable. Supplies. If you think you have enough pillows for a deep flat procedure, you do not. Buy more pillows. Get yourself a wedge. You're not going to be able to lay down flat in your bed. Or if you have a recliner, I've heard those are nice too. I have a 670 square foot apartment. So I bought a wedge and I put it in my bed. Have a robe with interior pockets for your drains. You will have many. You should have comfy, lightweight, high-waisted pajama pants or no pants. Who's judging? Not me. Also, because you're going to be having this potentially during a global pandemic, have every delivery app that you can possibly have already downloaded on your phone. Know who is going to deliver you food, whether that's the Postmates person, whether that's Favor, or whether that's your best friend who's going to bake you a casserole and then leave it for you outside your door so that whoever is helping you inside of your residence can go get it and cook it for you because those are things you're not going to be doing for yourself. So plan on that. Uh, just make sure that somebody is keeping you flush with food because food is going to be one of your only comforts. For the day of surgery, Lauren has some recommendations for you as well. She says, stay positive. Try not to think too far ahead and just be in the moment. I would add to that, Xanax, still a great thing. Pack yourself some things to keep you distracted. Post-op in those moments when you're not working with physical therapy, when you're not interacting with your nurse, and especially if you're not allowed to have someone with you in the room. So I'm talking headphones and a phone charger so that you can watch videos, so that you can listen to music and excellent, excellent high-quality podcasts 
such as this one. Also, don't forget comfy socks and maybe some sandal slides to get around. Post-surgery, Lauren says numbness is normal, so don't freak out. You'll be numb in places, and that's just how it is. Restricted range of motion is going to be something you're going to live with for a while. It will come back, and please do not lift anything. I would add to that, break out the heating pad because your lower back pain is about to come back. Sleeping is going to be mostly a torment. It's an absolute nightmare. Uh, And actually, it's so bad that actual nightmares would be preferable to the hours you're going to spend laying awake because you cannot get comfortable. Keep your pain medicine by your bed. Set an alarm so that you wake up to take whatever pain medicine you've been given on a schedule. You do not want to fall asleep and overshoot your next medication time by a few hours and wake up with nothing on board. It is going to hurt. Constipation post-op is the real deal, and you are not going to have enough room in your abdominal cavity for a distended bowel. So plan for this. Have stool softeners and laxatives at your disposable. Talk to your doctor about what you can use. And if you really need something to get good results, I recommend Fleet Liquid Glycerin suppositories that look like little baby enemas, and they are effective as hail. And you better ask your doctor if you can use them. You better ask your doctor. Do not just take my word for it. I am not your doctor. Be self-indulgent. Eat what you want. This is not a time to go on a paleo diet. Just eat whatever feels good. Because guess what? You're not going to be shitting your brains out anymore because chemo should be a memory for you at this point. Watch mindless shows. We've been over that. Whatever your pain level is post-op, you need to understand something. You can handle it. I guarantee you, you can handle it. It's going to be pain. And it's going to be real, but I know that I know that you can handle it. Just keep thinking about that fact. I've been through it. The pain, I was so afraid of it. And it was real. And then it was gone. You will get through it. You can handle it. You are... You are like this other thing. You were one thing before this all happened to you, and that person probably could not have handled this, but you are a different thing now. You are a different person now, and the person you are now can absolutely fucking handle it. So just remember that. Beyond recovery, being like done, done, I'm not there yet. Lauren says that her breasts are not actually her breasts in her own mind. They look different than she expected. They look normal from the outside, but they look different to her. Just understand things may not look the way that you imagined. In the immediate post-op phase, this is definitely going to be true. But even down the road, whatever it ends up looking like, you can handle it. I promise you. The chemistry in your brain combined with maybe an hour, an hour and a half with a licensed professional counselor or therapist every week does wonders to wrap your brain around your new body 
and teach you to make the most of it and maybe even to enjoy it. So whatever happens, whether things go exactly as planned or whether things go horribly, terribly wrong, you can handle it. I think I've said that 17 times now, but you need to hear it over and over again because you don't believe it yet, but you will. Just keep reminding yourself you are different now and the person you are now can handle this. So hmm, that's about all I have. Thank you for listening. An extra special thanks to Shauna Vote. You can find her on Instagram. You can also find Breast Cancer is Boring on Instagram at Breast Cancer is Boring just to keep it really simple, slide into our DMs, send me a message. If you want to be on the show, the answer is pretty much yes. So just let us know. We are interested in your story because breast cancer is boring, but you are interesting. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 